I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6. 265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle, hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus, they cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or gold star family, We would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. 
All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. This is our Sunday episode after dinner. I know you've had a long weekend, college football yesterday, uh, NFL today, plus WNBA playoffs, NASCAR, and of course the world is in turmoil again. Not only are we fighting in Ukraine right now, we're now in a all-out battle in Israel. Our, our thoughts and prayers are with our brothers and sisters on the front lines in Israel, especially those who are uh, not militants or not in the military, the civilians that are in the battlefield right now, and they're uh, getting obliterated. The, the losses are tremendous on both sides right now, and uh, let's hope that this uh, does not last long and uh, hopefully come to a peaceful solution uh, rather quickly. So without further ado, our next guest is a mom of seven, a successful business owner and world record holder, the first woman to climb the second highest summits on each of the seven continents. She now spends her time inspiring others to create a thriving business and lasting legacy of their own. She shares her story and strategies for success through her book, Breakproof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals, and her Seek Your Summit podcast programs and signature talks. Learn more about her and learn more about everything she's doing here tonight as we welcome Jen Drummond to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Jen. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me tonight. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. I was reading your bio and I, I was thinking, I don't even know what the second summits of all these continents are. You always hear about the first, the highest, uh, the highest summits in most places. And I seen the second, I was like, what are the second highest summits? This, uh, this show is going to be great because I'm going to learn a lot tonight. Not just that, but everything else you're doing as well. So welcome here tonight. And it's great to have you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. And don't worry, I didn't know what the second summits were either when I first took on this quest. So when my coach brought up the idea, he's like, I think you should be the first female to climb the second highest peak on each of the seven continents. I'm like, okay, cool. What are those? <laughs> so. And it's not something that's advertised a lot. So it's hard. It's, I'm thankful I'm not the only one that was, uh, I guess, dumbfounded by seeing that. Yes, no worries. No worries. So, Jen, I gave basically a two-sentence blurb about you there. If you don't mind, give us a little more about Jen from as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. Yeah, you know, I was doing life, getting a little complacent. I think all of us have moments in our lives where we're just doing and we're not really living or thriving as much as we could be. Um, I had kids in school and I kept telling myself once they get to college, I can get back to me and do things that get me excited. But right now I'm in the season of motherhood. And then in 2018, I got into a horrific car crash that should have taken my life and didn't. And I just remember like the minute I in like came into contact with the semi truck, I was like, if I live, I promise I'll live. I promise I'll do good things with my life. And so then when the accident was done, I was like, okay, I'm not putting my life on hold. It is time to start living and doing motherhood and myself and step into things that I enjoy doing. Awesome. Yeah. And being a mom of seven, that's a, that's a lot of things to be doing. Yes. That's, that's a full-time job. I don't care who you are. It's a full-time job. Oh, sure it's more than one. I have helpers yeah. and it's more than one helper to make it all work. I can promise you that. So, I yeah. You had, had some age out that can help you out too as well. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. So after the accident, 2019 became a year of the bucket list, I'd say. I spent a whole bunch of time 
thinking about who I was, why was I saved? What is my purpose? What's my legacy? I was no longer afraid of what people would think. I was afraid if this was my last decade or year or month or week or day of life. And when you start looking at it that way, with that perspective, all of a sudden you realize like, I just want to experience things. I don't care if I win or lose. I don't care if I'm good at it or not. I just want to know what it feels like. I want to know what it tastes like. I want to know what it looks like. And so it really shifted my perspective on things I wanted to do, see, and become. Oh, I bet and, uh, having a, a life-changing event or life-altering event like you did with a car accident, a lot of people don't understand that the effects of how that one stop in life, that one wall that you hit can change everything moving forward. And I think your aha moment was the accident. And, but that aha moment led to greatness on the other side of it. Yeah. Definitely. You know, so one thing that stood out on my list was climb a mountain. I was turning 40 in 2020. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday and launch this next decade with significance by doing something epic. And I have friends in mountaineering. So I asked them, like, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what would you climb? And the general consensus was a mountain named Ama de Blom, located in Nepal. It's the Paramount Pictures low is like this gorgeous mountain. I was like, okay, perfect. I'm going to climb this mountain. Well, if we all rewind back to 2020, it wasn't too far into the year that our lives all became halted, right? Like no one was traveling anywhere. COVID entered the scene. And now instead of sending my kids to school, schools were closed and I was a homeschool teacher on top of being a mother to seven lovely humans. And one day, one of my kids was doing his math homework and he was struggling. So he was kind of tearing up and getting really frustrated. And so I went in there and did the proverbial mother talk of, we do hard things. You've got this. Don't stress. And my son looks up at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm a de blonde, honey, not I'm a dumb blonde. But thank you. Um, you finish your homework, a we'll look at Everest. So he did, and we did, and he went to bed. And then I sat there and I looked at Everest longer. I thought, you know what? If he thinks this is the hardest mountain in the whole world, I'm going to climb it. And I'm going to let him know that whatever our mountain is, physical or metaphorical, we can summit it. And so I called a coach and by the end of the week, I had a coach training me for Everest and AMA. And um, yeah, the, you know, and then it goes from there. The coach sends a book to me about becoming an uphill athlete. And in the front of the book, there was a lady who received a Guinness World Record for doing something in the Alps. I remember reading that thinking, I could have done that. Like I can suffer and if I got a Guinness World Record, my kids would think I'm the coolest mom in the whole world. This homeschooling thing, not a cool mom, like at all. And so I was kind of venting to my coach, Alan. I'm like, man. And he goes, Jen, Jen, I'll think of something. Don't you worry. I'm like, okay, fine. You can come up with something, but I'm not growing pumpkins. I'm not speed eating hot dogs. I'm not doing like the fingernail thing that people do to get in that record book. I'm not interested. He's like, oh, don't worry. We'll think of something good. We'll think of something good. And then a few weeks later, he calls me. He's like, Jen, I've got the perfect record. 
And I kind of forgot about this conversation that we even had in the first place. I'm like, okay, yeah, what is it? He's like, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. And like we said earlier, I'm like, what are those? He's like, listen, 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 like, listen, this is good. He goes, they're the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's only been done by one male and it is harder than the first seven. You'd be the first woman to do it. And it, think about it, seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. It sounds like a jackpot. I'm like, you know, it does kind of sound like a jackpot. I haven't slept in a tent before, but I'm in. Like, this sounds good. Like, let's figure this out. And so that's how that quest started. Never slept in a tent before you did this quest? Right. I mean, wow. maybe once. Okay, I should say I probably slept in a tent once. Not on snow. Like, definitely right. not on snow. And probably when you were running a little. Right, exactly. It was one of the, it was, I was not seasoned in the tenting camping environment by any means. But I'm like, whatever, that's just one skill I need to pick up. So yeah, I started on the quest and it was interesting because mountaineering is considered a very selfish sport by a lot of people. Um, and I found it to be almost the opposite. That's cool. I mean, what what is the second highest peak in North America? So the second highest peak in North America is called Mount Logan. It is located near the Gulf of Alaska. The highest point is Denali or Mount McKinley, same mountain, just different names. Um, Mount Logan, you have to enter through Canada, even though it's on the border of Alaska and Canada. It is, I've been like to Everest, I've been to K2, I've been to Antarctica, Mount Logan, coldest mountain I've ever been on in my entire life. It took me two attempts to summit and I, it's probably the one I'm like most proud of finishing, if I have to be honest. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And I've never been to Alaska outside of the airport, basically. I hit, landed in the airport in Alaska, then went to Korea from there. So I've only seen darkness outside the airport while I was in there. So I didn't get to see mountains or anything like that, except from, I guess, above, but I was probably asleep in the airplane. And then, uh, but you were able to climb that mountain and then, how much rest did you take between each peak? Did you take months or was it rapid yeah, so succession? Right. So it's interesting. Mountains have climbing seasons. So for example, you almost always see people summit Everest in May. Right. You'll always see people summit um, K2 in July. So depending on the time of year, depends on what mountains are available and safe to climb because of the weather patterns and different things that go around that. So for me, it was very much climbing as soon as something was first open because I started this pursuit when COVID was happening. So not all countries were open right away. And then was it the season to climb that mountain? And for example, it took me two times on K2, two times on Mount Logan. Mount Logan's a May climb. K2 is a July climb. I had to wait an entire 12 months to go back and give it another attempt. Wow. Yeah. Which is horrible, right? Like you just want to get back. I'm like, no, 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 don't take me off this mountain. I want to go up it. And you know that if you don't go or if it doesn't make sense, that you have a year of training and waiting and all the things to be able to go back. And hoping nothing goes wrong when you get back. Yeah, exactly. It's a big right. mind game. And like Major we talked about, game. we talked about in the green room, uh, something bad just happened to other climbers. Says, just recently, Trump going for a record as well. And that could have happened to you just as easily. Yeah, you know, it hit me really hard. And I'm still trying to process it because I was on K2 with one of the climbers. And it's two American women. 
that were wow. going after a record to be the first American female to climb the 14 8,000 meter peaks. So on the, in the world, there's only 14 peaks over 8,000 meters. And then the second girl, like kind of spe speed climbed a handful of them. So they both were at 13 and they went wow. over to Tibet to climb the 14th one. And I, from what I can read on the news, right, which is all we get right now is there was about 50 people trying to climb the mountain 46 turned around and said it was too dangerous. The two American women trying to set this world record, right? Didn't want to give up. Didn't want the, the other one to win. They both were pursuing this for a long period of time. And both of them died in an avalanche. And it's just so hard because it was so, like, it, it just hits home, right? I mean, I was on a climb on K2 my first year where one of my teammates died in an avalanche. And then to have that many people on the mountain turn around and have those two girls want to continue just because of a record. Right. I mean, I'm a mix of sad and angry if I had to be honest. It's, it's kind of a, a measuring contest between the two of them at that point. Uh, if you stay, I'm staying, you stay, I'm staying. So I don't want you to right. be first without me. And it's tragic what has happened. And uh, hopefully their families will be able to live knowing they were doing what they loved. Yeah. I mean, that's, you really have to, when things like this happen, you have to sit with the story and figure out how you're going to write it and store it in your memory to give you power over it and not be a victim of the circumstances. Of all the, the climbs that you made, what is your favorite? What was your favorite one and least favorite? Um, You know, they're all special in their own way. And I know that's funny to say, but you know, people ask me, who's your favorite kid? I'm like, depends on the day. Um, what's your, what's your favorite mountain? They each have this unique, special story to them that makes them fun. I would say Antarctica was pretty spectacular. I don't know if I would have gone to Antarctica for another reason. So the mountain definitely pulled me down to that continent and just to, just to experience it right? Like there's no life, there's no trees, there's no green, there's no red, there's no purple. There's no, like the colors are so limited because all you have is ice, rock, sky, sun. Um, the smells are limited. It's freezing. It's just, it's a fascinating place to be. And the mountain that we climbed, I think we were the 15th through 20th, per we were a team of five. So we were the 15th through 20th person to summit this mountain. So there's just not a lot of data on it. And when we went there, we had notes from people that had climbed a few years before because the last couple of years they didn't have success. And so you're looking at these notes and you're like, okay, is that rock? Because we're, we don't find it because it went down the mountain or was there more snow? So now it's buried or did we make a wrong turn? Or like, it was just such a surreal experience. Um, I'm very grateful for it. And your least favorite one? My least favorite one is probably Mount Townsend. And I'm sorry to all my friends in Australia. I love you. I love you. I love you. And this is why like uh, Mount Townsend was supposed to be the easiest one, right? Like I live basically at the vertical feet that it is. And so there was, and it's this hike, I think it was like 16 miles round trip or something. But the thing is, is that Australia's summer is our winter. So I went at the end of November, beginning of December, which was supposed to be 
you know, summerish time. And they had such a heavy snow year that there was a ton of snow, like a ton of snow and there's no trail. So you're kind of following your GPS thing. I thought I didn't need a guide for this one. So I'm following my GPS. I have a camera guy with me and we're dressed for dirt hiking. We are not dressed for snow. And we didn't know there was snow until we got back there. And the problem was, is there was so much snow in the top layer every day would get sun. So it kind of crystallized or slush. And then underneath that layer, everything would rot and get melted. It kind of like baked it. So when you would take a step, you, you post hold like all the way down to your thigh. And then you'd have to lift that foot up and then do another post hold. And you just like, it took so much energy. My camera guy's like, we're coming back, right? Like we're not doing this. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I live in the USA. We are not coming back. We will post hole till we get to the top of this thing and post hole on the way out. And like you lose your shoe, right? So like it it was the hardest, easiest climb I've ever done. And it just reminds me, do not underestimate the mountains. (laughs) They will win all the time. Nature always wins. So Nature wins. Yes, 100%. When you started this journey, you, know, you have, sure you had to take some mountaineering classes and you know, part of that's navigation, part of that's learning uh, the terrain, uh, terrain association. And was first aid also put in there as well? Yeah, you're, you're taught everything, right? Like the, the more you know, the safer you are for yourself, for your team, for everybody on the mountain. So out of respect for nature, you want to be as prepared as possible. I will tell you the first year that I went, I didn't bring a suture kit. I'm like, we don't need a suture kit. We're climbing mountains. Why would we need a suture kit? And then one of my friends was climbing K2 with me. And on our hike in, you have to hike over all these boulders. Well, two boulders rolled and pinched his ankle. And it split open this mouth by his ankle bone that needed a lot of stitches, like a lot of stitches. And so we get to this spot where everybody kind of camps and collects. And we're asking, does anybody have stitches? Anybody have stitches? No one has stitches. But this lady's like, well, I have a sewing kit. And there happened, like, luckily to be an orthopedic surgeon on like somebody else's expedition. So we're boiling the needle. We're giving him gummies to like chill out and like try to disengage with what's going on. And we use like sewing thread And the guy just sews his ankle close enough, but he can't close it up too much because he wants like any infection to leach out. And then my friend, because we're at altitude, he can't go any higher. I mean, it's going to, his ankle is going to swell and everything. You don't heal when there's not oxygen in the air. So we have to get him a donkey to hike out, to go back to like this, where the cars are, which is going to take a day or two. And then to be in a car ride for whatever, to go to a hospital that feels as cleanly as a 7-Eleven. You know, I mean, it's just a whole different world, right? And you're sitting there without the Slurpees. No Slurpees either at the hospital, just to let you know. You don't get the Slurpee advantage. And so, you know, things happen and then you start to bring more stuff in your kit. And then you're like, then you're always balancing weight. Like, do I really need this for this off chance that this should happen? And it's just fascinating. It definitely is a... In the military, we're always trained to be ready for any uh, anything that may happen. So a lot of the listeners are military veterans or first responders. 
So we always had that in the back of our mind. My Jeep right now, I always have almost a full surgical kit in my Jeep. Even after retirement, I keep that in there just because it may happen. I may be driving down the road and someone needs it or I may need it. And they can just get my bag and help me out. If maybe they it watched the YouTube video, maybe they can help me out and uh, help me get through things. So it's, it's something, it's a skill that I think everyone needs to learn. Not just if they're climbing mountains or being in the military. Everyone needs to learn how to at least save themselves enough to get past things. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely practiced sewing up oranges and banana peels when I got home in case it ever happened again. I'm like, I want to make sure I know what to do in this circumstance because this is terrible. When you climb K2, it's like playing Frogger. The difference between K2 and Everest are entirely different beasts. And K2 just throws rocks at you the entire time you're climbing because it's this huge Rocky Mountain and it's loose. So when the snow starts to melt because the sun comes out, the rocks shift and then they start falling. And the tiniest little pebble, because K2 is truly, when you draw a mountain and you draw a triangle, that's as close to K2 as you can come. Other mountains have different shapes and they kind of angle and they're not steep the entire time. K2 is this true triangle. And so this tiny pebble can come whipping down past you and you'll hear it go it sounds like this like zinger you're and you don't even know what way to like go or block your head because you you don't you can't see it so even when it's nice out you climb with goggles on because it protects your face but there was people that would get hit by a rock by where their backpack was and it would go through the Gore-Tex shell and the puffy layer and the under layers and they'd have to get stitches on their arm under like five layers of clothing it was absolute insanity it's nuts. Just a, I'm trying to picture the rocks showering down on you as you're climbing. Yeah, you're just like, really? We have to add this like to the whole mix? Is this really necessary, universe? This is hard this, enough without these little things, but come on. This wasn't in the brochure. Come on. Now. Yeah, no one told me. <laughs> like, fair hey, disclosure. Coach. Come on. Don't you lie. <laughs> you never said this one to me. So as as you finish the climbs, now you bring those strategies to help others. And uh, how do you transition that to helping others as they go through their business building or uh, creating their storytelling and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, I built a business before I got into mountaineering. So I built a company from scratch, hired myself out of a job to become a stay-at-home mom, and then got back into this mountaineering thing. And when I got into the mountains, it just amazed me at how much was the same. Oh, this is just like what happens in business. This is just like what happens in business. I said it every single mountain multiple times. And so it's been fun because people can see it better in the physical pursuit than maybe necessarily in the business environment that they're in. But for example, one of the big things in mountaineering is the summit isn't home. You're not safe if you get to the top. You have to get back to base camp to be safe. And when you're building a business and you're trying out new products or doing new things, do you have enough in the tank to get home? And guess what? Home might not be the direct way that you came. It might take a little bit longer because you're tired or you can't down climb certain areas. So you have to go around or things like that. And it's just been really fun to see the two parallels together and then have people see it in the environment that I'm doing and then be able to apply it to their own lives. Definitely. And when you said that when you get to the summit, you're not really safe. It made me think of that movie, Mr. Deeds, when the, the billionaire goes up to climb up and he wants to be the one that puts the flag down and he freezes to the flag up there and dies. 
because he's at the top of the mountain and then that starts the whole the plot of the movie. That's what just came to my mind when you said that. So and yeah. that's, it's, it's real life. If you, if you think you're done up there, you still have to make that climb all the way back down. No matter how many feet that mountain was, you still got to come all the way back down and make it home to the actual home. Home. Yes, definitely. Yes. And, you know, I wrote a book called Break Proof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. And pretty much what we did is we took a lesson, applied it to each one of the mountains and just talk about resilience and how it all plays into our daily lives. And when I went to climb Everest, one of the big lessons I had was big mountains take big teams, like huge teams. And so if you're running out of fuel or, or you're feeling tired, you're less motivated about your goal, like, do you have enough people supporting you? Do you have a team big enough to carry you all the way to the summit and back on the pursuit that you're taking on? Definitely. Like two of my teammates stay in, in my chat room here all the time, every show. And they, oh. they keep me focused on everything and also keep the riffraff out of the chat. But they're, I, I can't thank them enough to, for always being here because I can't do all this at one time. There's no way I could do all this. And you know, being a podcaster, you can't do it all at one time because you be multitask out of it. You won't understand what your guest is saying at all. You'd be lost. So without my team, I'd be lost as well. Yes. I remember when I first got into podcasting, right? So I have a podcast. And everybody makes it sound so easy, right? Like, oh, yes. you get a microphone, you put on Zoom, and you just start talking to the other human. And so I turned this closet in my house into a podcast studio. And I had put all those soundproofing foam things on the wall. And so I glued them all on the wall. I have the computer in there. I turn on the lights. I go to have my first show. The lights start curing the glue. So I'm like getting high in my podcast studio, right? And there's no air circulating because I hadn't really practiced no it No fan. Yet. So now I'm like trying not to bead sweat during this interview. And I'm trying to manage the time and listen to what the person's saying. And is this even valuable? And oh, I like can still giggle at the craziness of it all. There's so much that goes on to make something look easy. It's yes. just crazy. And when I first started this, I was audio only, and I record a lot of my episodes while driving in my Jeep. Nice. And you know, a Jeep is not silent at all. It's, it's no, loud, not at loud, all. For sure, loudest not. vehicle on the road. And I'm driving and talking to people, just chatting with them as I'm talking. It's like I'm talking on the phone with somebody. And that's what I thought was a good product. And I said, "This is this horrible." So I started doing the mic buying thing. I'm on my fourth mics now. Got a Rodecaster, and I have an actual. My wife gave me a room in the house I can use. So. I'm blessed to have that, but it takes a lot to get to where we both are now. Oh, definitely. Definitely, definitely. I have like my travel kit for podcasting. I have my home <laughs> studio for podcasting. Now, as you can see, the foam room turned into my son's music training room. So it worked <laughs> out, but still I'm like, oh. Definitely. And, and we learn lessons. And I, I think those lessons that you learned on all the peaks helps you in your other, in your actual business to teach others to grow their business as well. Yes, definitely. Did you ever uh, invite anyone to go on a climb with you? That was one of your, uh, I guess, one of your people you're consulting, coaching through your business. Hey, go on this climb with me. Maybe you'll learn how a little more about you and how you can affect into your business. Yes, 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 yes. So I have taken an individual to Ecuador. I love climbing in Ecuador. It's US currency, so it's super easy. It's pretty easy to get to from the United States. They have a ton of climbing options. The people are super friendly. Um, 
they're challenging mountains, right? They're high, they're hard, and you really learn what you're made of. You learn where your weaknesses are and you get to embody it. It's not just the story in your head. You get to feel it. And then when you feel it, you learn that you can go so much further than what you thought you could. And then when they come back home and they get into the boardroom or they get into a relationship squabble or things like that, they're like, oh, I've had this feeling before. I know what to do in this circumstance and here's how we navigate through it. So, I mean, I love doing those kinds of expeditions and I do simple stuff in Park City. So when people have parties or corporations come into town or things like that, a lot of times I'll lead some guided hikes out in the mountains just to allow people to disconnect and reconnect to themselves, get out of the noise, build up that resilience of who they are, who they want to show up as. So when they enter back into those meetings or into those rooms, it's easy because they're being authentic. Right. hundred percent. I think the thing that helped me heal, I came back from war and retired from the army was climbing a grandfather mountain in North Carolina. We drove out there, we got a cabin and me and my wife and daughter, we climbed up. I had a little backpack on with limited supplies so I can take care of the three of us. We got to the top. We ate, ate lunch on top of the mountain. I made the bolt climb over the top of me and that opened me up and made me feel like I was home finally. I was back from war. I was alive and of course, they were scared to be on top of the mountain. I was just in my element up there. This is beautiful. I love it. And we're eating uh, boiled eggs. I think we're eating up there and having a good time. I said, now we got to climb down. What? Let's go. We've got more fun coming down. It was nice. best day, best time together, best climb ever. Yeah. No, it's addicting. It's definitely addicting. Just that pursuit, the challenge, the clarity of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve, and then the camaraderie of people that you're with. You're, you're all strong at different points, right? Like yes. all of us want to turn around at some point, but when you have the whole team behind you, as long as you don't want to turn around at the same time, like you seem yes. to carry each other on and it works really well. But yeah, it's so fun. I'm actually taking my three oldest boys in February to go climbing in Africa. And I'm nice. super excited about just getting them out there. And I know it's going to be so hard. And they tease with their friends like, yeah, well, you don't have a mom like our mom. So you're lucky. <laughs> my mom is making me go climb a mountain on my spring break. <laughs> this is my punishment. <laughs> yes. I'm like, listen, it's good for your college resume. Buckle up. Yeah. Successfully climbed X. That, that helps a lot more than help to bag groceries at the store for people. I, I think, think it's- so. I think it's much better skill. I mean, yes. both are great in their own ways, but I think climbing and achieving that goal of getting to the top, and especially with the team, like you said, the three oldest boys and you are going to do that climb, and you won't quit, and they won't quit because they don't want to say, Mom beat me. Right. That's what, 100%. That's what, that's what's going to push all of you up that hill. So you might want to, you probably just keep going until one of you quit and then say, Ah, one you lost. That's good. Yes. Right. We'll see. <laughs> good how lessons it goes. learned. So you, is your book out already now? So my book's available for pre-order now. Okay. Um, so if you Google Breakproof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals or Jen Drummond book, um, you'll find it. If you pre-order, there's a bunch of freebies and fun stuff that are part of that. And then otherwise, it's on bookshelves January 9th of 2024. January 9th. The pre-order link is going across the bottom now for those watching on video right now. Yay. Uh, those. Those when the show releases, it'll release right around the same time the book comes out. So it'll be in the notes as well, but it'll still be on Amazon, I'm sure, and Barnes and Noble and everywhere else that books can be found. 
So yes. make sure you get out there and get that book. Jen, if you can give three tips for those going through the peaks and valleys of life, what would that be to make them help them get over those peaks and valleys? Um, okay. A few of them I've learned from the mountains. So yes. one of them is your toothbrush talk. So when I was on the mountains, I don't have a mirror to look at myself, right? I'm just brushing, looking out at the world, happy and whatever. <laughs> I come back home. I start brushing my teeth in front of a mirror again. And I realized how hard I was on myself, right? Like, look at those wrinkles. Your hair's dirty. What are you doing? Like all this terrible stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't do this a week ago. Why am I doing this now? And so I encourage you to have an intentional toothbrush talk and only say positive things to yourself and really start your day and before you go to bed with those positive deposits that you're giving yourself. So that's one tip that I recommend. Um, I recommend having a trigger meditation. So a trigger meditation is anything that you do on a regular basis that you can practice a pause after. So for example, every single time I exit a door, so I touch a door handle in my house, I take three deep breaths. I just slow down, do three deep breaths, and then go on with my day. And it's amazing what that little pause can do for your endurance of being a good human for the whole day, if I have to be honest. <laughs> And then another thing that I do that's probably unique to me, but it's worked really, really well, is I have a grump dump. Okay, so I know everybody loves their gratitude journal. And I, by all means, <laughs> think you should be grateful for life and all the things that happen. But like bad things happen. And I need to get those things out. I need to look at them on paper. I need to realize like, okay, they're not as bad as they are, or maybe they are, and I need to address them. But I do a grump dump to just try to go to bed without any of that negativity spilling into the next day. And then when I look back on my grump dump, I'm like, oh my goodness, Jen, like really? <laughs> you were that grumpy about what? Like you just realize how silly we can get at times. So those are probably three tips I leave everybody with. Those are outstanding tips. Uh, toothbrush talk, uh, the trigger meditation and the grump dump. Grump dump is, is one that's new for me there and I wrote that down in big letters. So I'll, I'll remember that, it's awesome. Jen, how does someone get in contact with you just to chat with you like we are now, maybe have you on their show or just get some advice? Yeah, please reach out. So I think the best places is jendrummond.com. Um, at my website, you can find all my social media handles and connect with me on whatever channel is your favorite. Learn what I'm up to. We do a lot of updates on if I'm on expedition and give you notes of what's going on there. I run some challenges. I do speaking events. I have a podcast, all the things. So check out the website and be sure to say hi. Awesome. And one question I forgot to ask, when you hit those summits, do you have a mark that you bring up there with you to take a picture with, a flag or something that you do? Yes, I do. I take a picture of my kids. So every awesome. mountaintop, I have a photo of my children. I keep it in my jacket the entire time I climb because I want to quit. Like a thousand times I want to quit when I'm climbing any mountain that I've ever climbed. I'm like, why don't I just go to the beach? Why don't I just sit in the backyard? Why do I have to be the person do that wants easy. to do these things? <laughs> right? <laughs> so then I take the photo with me and it just reminds me that if I can do hard things, they can do hard things. They're watching and I want to show them how to do life outstanding and they're always with you so they have been to all the peaks as well they can tell they have they've been there because they have pictures to prove it 
That's what they tell all their friends. They're like, oh, my mom did it for us. We're good. <laughs> We're good. I don't have to do it. Check that blog. Good, good. Yep. Jen, this has been awesome chatting with you tonight. Thanks for spending some of your Sunday evening with us. I know you could you could be balancing your life with your family right now. We hung out with the Misfit Nation. The Misfit Nation really enjoys having great guests on, especially ones that have accomplished so much and gotten through adversity like you did through your accident to climbing the seven peaks on seven continents and being the world record holder. So thank you for being here. Hey, thank you. You have a great night, and we'll, we'll see you on the other side. All right. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Cause we are. This fit nation. This fit nation. This fit nation.